Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats with Peggy Hoyt. Our goal is to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. For more information about creating a legacy for your pet or to listen to archive shows, visit AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Join your host, author, estate planning attorney, and animal advocate, Peggy Hoyt. Hello, pet lovers. Welcome to All My Children Wear Fur Coats. I'm your host, Peggy Hoyt, and this show is brought to you by the law offices of Hoyt and Brian, where we create estate plans for pets and their people. Also brought to you by Animal Care Trust USA, a national nonprofit dedicated to keeping loved pets in loving homes. We do this by educating pet parents about the importance of getting a pet trust for their loved pet, and we also provide trustee services. Today, we are fortunate to have as our guest, Julie Poslins. She is the founder of Cat School. Welcome, Julie. Thank you so much. Surrender appointments, microchipping inquiries, and lost pet notifications getting overwhelming for you and your organization? Let Dubert.com help you manage and organize them with their new innovative companion case management module. With CCM on your side, you will never miss another appointment, forget to respond to inquiries, or have a visual on your notifications. It allows you to create cases and categorize them by type. You can also add the status of each case along with many other helpful features. Check it out and learn more at www.dubert.com to get started today. Well, I'm really excited to uh, talk cats and um, we will go from there. But um, I do want to tell people a little bit about your background. Uh, Julie is an applied animal behaviorist and the founder of Cat School, a clicker training school for cats. The Cat School mission is to make training a fun, easy and enriching experience for cats and their people. Um, you you talk like I do, so we talk about cats and their people or pets and their people, right? Mm-hmm. And, and um, I understand that you might have started out training dogs. Tell us about that. So I actually started out. I went to a training school for dogs, and then I it wasn't good. It wasn't good methods. <laughs> so when I came back, um, I ended up getting a puppy who was very challenging, like biting skateboarders and um, lunging at kids and it just kind of threw me for a loop I had taken this training course and didn't know how to help him so that's kind of that was my introduction into clicker training and I, I found a book or someone recommended one on clicker training and um, started working with him so I was starting to teach him how to you know tolerate skateboarders going by and and stuff like that and then I ended up realizing how little I knew about dogs and dog training and decided to become a dog walker. A friend encouraged me to, you know, instead of being a trainer, which I had thought that was kind of like my plan and why I had went to school, um, I ended up deciding to just get into dog walking. And that was like the best thing for me because I got to spend so much time with dogs and taking them to the dog parks and learning about them and observing them. And, um, in the end, uh, I loved it so much. My business, my dog walking business grew. It was just like we had sometimes 80 dogs on our roster. It was, oh my <laughs> it was insane, but so much fun. Like I had just such a great time. 
And um, I ended up going back to school to do my master's to study the interactions of dogs because I was so interested in like part of building familiarity with them, like why they were getting into aggressive interactions, like all that stuff. I was like really, really interested in it. So I went back to school to study um, dog interactions. I did my thesis on dog interactions and uh, yeah, so that, that was kind of like when I came back from my master's, my business was still running. Uh, but that's when I kind of was like, okay, I think, uh, you know, I've been doing this for 10, 10 to 15 years. It's, it's time to, uh, it's time for a new challenge. <laughs> that's always a good, uh, a good outcome when you find new challenges and that new challenge turned up in the uh, form of a cat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. I was trying to figure out what was next. And then I found a little kitten outside <laughs> and the rest is history. <laughs> So tell us about this kitten and how he changed your life. So uh, I found this kitten outside. He was under a porch and I was just like I was on the phone in my house and I heard a little bit of crying and I went outside and anyway, brought him inside, cleaned him up and proceeded to try to find him a home because, of course, you know, I had difficult dogs and they weren't really great with cats. We actually had a cat who lived upstairs and I never bothered to really do any training with them with cats. Like it was just some, an area that I hadn't really explored. Um, so I put him upstairs and tried to find him a, a, new, a new home. Anyway, he was just adamant about interacting with the dogs. He would come down the stairs, they would bark at him, he'd run back up. He just did this over and over again until eventually they were like, Okay, he's not so bad. <laughs> and and then I that was when I realized that he could probably live with them, that he could handle he could handle them and they weren't really, you know, they were all bark and no bite and I wasn't nervous. And so I was like, Okay, well I wonder if I could keep him. And then then he just started doing more and more dog like things. So I at the time I was a dog person. It was kind of like divided in my house. My my husband was the cat person and took care of the cat and I was the dog person and took care of the dogs. And so this was kind of this little kitten was kind of bridging the gap between that and suddenly he was acting like a dog. <laughs> what I you know all a good marriage counselor too, huh? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and he was joining all the dog training sessions and he it was just very interactive and stuff. And that just started to get me kind of looking more into cat training and not not seeing a lot of resources. I was kind of, you know, baffled by like, why is this cat, this kitten so interested in joining all our training sessions? He's such a smart little learner. He's like picking up all the same skills and he loves it so much. But what was actually the most interesting thing that I did was. Um, I went upstairs and I started training the other cat <laughs> because I was like, okay, if he loves it, maybe it's just him. And uh, I was so surprised at how much she loved it. I also felt terrible at how little enrichment she had been getting when there was this huge opportunity for her. Plus, she started coming downstairs because she used to stay upstairs because of the dogs. And suddenly she was more confident. She had a reason to come downstairs because she heard the training going on. So it just literally changed everything in our, in our house. And I was just amazed by, you know, what a great form of enrichment and activity it was for indoor cats because they get so little. So um, I just 
started working with both my cats. In the end, I just had them both upstairs and we were doing tons of stuff. Um, unfortunately, the older cat, Mackenzie, didn't live much longer. So I, you know, only got to do a bit of work with her. But during that time, I was able to see how much she loved it and how much it benefited her. And she wasn't really big into playing. So it was perfect, too, because I actually had a way to bond and engage with her. Um every day consistently like we had our little sessions and she would come and join in and it was just a lot of fun so i know that people say that cats can't be trained and obviously that's not true um you have proved that um over and over again um to the point where you created cat school yes yeah so now everybody who's listening your cats can go to school how (laughs) awesome is that Yes, they are highly trainable animals. Um, they really learn quickly. It's, it's, I think most people are surprised <laughs> when they see how fast and how many skills they can learn. So they're not stubborn or aloof. They, they like the challenge and they join in on the program. Exactly. Yeah. As, I, if you have the right reinforcements for them, i.e. treats that they like. <laughs> then it's a lot easier. But I think the pieces, the pieces are already there. Like, it's funny how the connections don't necessarily happen, but we see our cats engaging in food puzzles. So we know we like, they like to problem solve. We know they like to be busy. You know, we see them stealing food off the counter. We see them looking for challenges and stuff. So like, those are, those are already, you know, the seeds of, I want challenges. I want to do more things. I want to work for food really, right? I'll do anything to get that little morsel of food. <laughs> I'll jump I'll jump on the counter, even annoy you to get that food. So I'll, I'll, those seeds are already planted, I think, with most cats. But um, a lot of things, we do a lot of things differently with cats and dogs, and it does prevent them from being trainable. One of those things being leaving their food out all day. Right. So anyone who leaves their food out all day, it's going to affect how much your cat wants to work for their food. Um, but you don't need to do training to understand that. You need to do food puzzles because food puzzles will show you right away. If your cat's not interested in food puzzles, that's a good way to say, okay, what can I do to improve that? Food puzzles are, I would say, one of the easiest forms of enrichment for cats, putting their food, putting, you know, having them work for a puzzle to find the treats. And we want them to be able to do that. So I always encourage people to kind of like explore that and get them working. And then clicker training is a nice next step to say, okay, my cat likes this activity. They like working for food. I have reinforcements they're interested in. What else can I do with them? So where can we find cat food puzzles? Well, there's a great website called um, Food Puzzles for Cats. Oh. <laughs> and it has like all different puzzles and um, rates them on levels. There's even like a research paper on all the benefits of food puzzles, how they solve problems with cats, and that foraging for food is a normal and natural behavior for cats, and everyone should try to have some sort of foraging in their cat's lives. And it's just, yeah, it's a fantastic website. Um, I always send people there like to encourage them to what we don't want is to say to someone, you know, go try this. And they say, 
I think this is very common with, with cats and, oh, it didn't work. You know, it didn't work. So that's why I really like having a comprehensive resource like that that says like, okay, tr- try this and do this. And it makes it really easy, you know, find a level one puzzle. Cause what we don't want is someone going on Amazon and buying a level three puzzle and then their cat doesn't, doesn't do it. We want to make sure that they find something that's, you know, really easy for their cat to do. So I'm feeling a little bit bad because I do leave my cat food down all the time and I don't really make my cats work for their food. I do make my forest kitty work for his treats, but that's because he has to take medicine. Mm-hmm. And so I give him the medicine and then I give him a treat. And, mm-hmm. you know, that has worked out really well. But now you've got me thinking that perhaps I should reevaluate this approach and get some cat food puzzles, and maybe my little Jenny girl will lose some of the poundage that she has gained recently. Yeah, I mean, it's a great way to slow them down, to give them the mental enrichment that they need, and it's also fun to see your cat, you know, problem-solving and trying these different puzzles, seeing how, you get to know them too, right? Like, what kind of cat is your cat? How long will they work at a puzzle? You know, you'll have if you have three or four cats, you're going to see, you know, certain cats are like they'll sit there for hours and others might walk away. So it's a fun way to get to know their personality, too. And then, of course, you can try the different puzzles and see how they they respond to them. So it's yeah. And also like trying different treats. How do they respond to the different treats in them? That's also a good way to. You know, it's a good getting to know cats is can be kind of fun. You know, like what what are they? How, how, what do we what do we learn more about their personality when we start to provide these challenges for them? Well, so you mentioned clicker training. Tell us what clicker training is for people who might not know. So clicker training is the method based on positive reinforcement, which means that we reward or we reinforce behaviors and then those behaviors get repeated because behaviors that get rewarded get repeated so that's the whole idea behind it so we 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 create the environment that encourages the cat to do the behavior then the click we is how we tell the cat that's the behavior that we're we want so think about it this way if your cat gives you sits and gives you a high five and you give them a treat how will they know if you're giving them a treat for the high five or the sit because once you give them the treat their paws are already on the floor. Maybe they've stood up or maybe they've walked away. The only way for them to actually know which behavior they're getting a treat for is if you add a marker, and that's what a clicker is. So if you're teaching high five, you click the split second your cat raises their paw, and that's what tells your cat that raising their paw was the behavior that got that treat. And once they know that raising their paw got the treat and they're going to start to do it again because they're like, every time I raise my paw, I get a treat and they're going to start to present their paw. So we use the clickers like a bridge in their, their learning to, to help them understand which behavior they did that earned the reinforcement. So do you give them verbal cues as well or hand signals? What other kind of cues do you give them? So I like with cats, I really like, um, the signal stuff in the environment, especially in the beginning. So like what I'll, I'll say to people, one of the easiest skills to start with is teaching the cat to get a treat out of a cup. So we put a little treat in the cup. The cat gets the treat out of the cup. 
And then the cup is the signal that this is what you have to do. And so then one, that's one of the ways I can teach fist bump or high five is the cat learns I have to put my paw in the cup and then I can start raising the cup and that's how I get them to raise their paw. So I like using props, especially in the beginning, but then we add in hand signals and voice signals and stuff like that. Um, but it's definitely easier in the beginning if you have a clear, you know, a clear prop or like, I don't know if you're familiar with a target stick, but a lot of times we use a stick and the cat has to touch their nose to the ball end of the stick. So the stick is the cue for training. And that keeps it really simple because um, with hands, hand signals are easier than voice signals. Uh, but again, our hands are all moving around in the environment a lot, so they might not stand out as well. So when you have a prop, that can be really effective in, you know, helping the cat see that this is a training assignment <laughs> because they see the prop and they know right away, okay, that it's time for training. Okay. I think, I think it sounds like a blast. So <laughs> how do, um, how do people learn more? How do they sign up? So uh, one of the ways that people can get started really easily is just going to our YouTube channel, um, YouTube dot com cat school and there's lots of like lessons there's one that's kind of fun to do it says is your cat trainable and they can try the five skills to see if their cat likes it and there's a video on treats where i talk about because i think a lot of people will get stuck at that first step and say well what treats should i be giving and that's not the right question because we actually want to make sure um, if you use dry food your cat should work for dry food so that's number one, having to use exciting treats. It's not really the path that we want. We want people to be able to like train with, with healthier food. Same, like just like with food puzzles, we want to be able to use the cat's food. So same with training. Like I train my cat with wet food or a handful of dry food. Um, so I don't even really use, uh, sometimes I'll use freeze dried treats, which can be great. But anyway, back to YouTube, like I'll have a few of these videos just to help people kind of troubleshoot in the beginning. So they they um, um, they can like figure figure out the first steps. And the other thing that we have that makes it easy for people to get started is a training kit. So that includes a clicker, a target stick and a little booklet, a little quick start guide. And it's on our website if they want to find it on our website, um, which is just catschool.co. And you also have a leash walking kit. Yes, yes. Brings us to a whole nother thing. Can you talk, teach a cat to walk on a leash? Yes, you can. And it's definitely getting more popular. Um, I'm pretty sure that a harness is like one of the most popular search. Harness training is like one of the most popular searches with cats right now. It's just blowing up. Like so many people are interested in leash walking with their cats, which is very exciting. Uh, it means cats are going to be kept a lot safer and it's a great way for people to spend time with their cats. It's different than walking a dog. So that can be kind of nice too. You know, it can be a bit more relaxing depending on where you live. Right, <laughs> Obviously, right. if, you know, walking your cat. I mean, you're not going to go jogging with your cat, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I think there's um, a lot depends on the environment where you live. But I think there is a way that most people can do it and, you know, keep it kind of low key and enriching and safe at the same time. 
It's hard to get going on donations for your rescue work, so Team Dubert decided to fix that. Introducing Dubert Forward, where shoppers can buy the same pet food and products as other sites, but Dubert will donate 5% of their order back to your organization to support your rescue work. That's right, Dubert is paying 100 times more than Amazon Smile, and there's no catch or limit to the number of orders. If someone spends $100 and designates your organization as the beneficiary, Dubert will send $5 to your organization versus the 50 cents that Amazon would donate for the same purchase. Now your fosters, adopters, and donors can shop for their regular pet supplies on Dubert and know they are supporting your organization with regular funding. Learn more at dubert.com and get started today. What do you tell people when they say, well, if I start taking my cat outside, then he's going to want to go outside all the time? Um, yeah, that is a, definitely a common one. Well, first, I like people to try it <laughs> because that might not happen. Like, I think sometimes we jump so many steps forward before we actually try something. And you might find that your cat, like my cat will come in for dinner all the time. He loves food. He loves his meals. And then it's, for me, it's just about changing the chapter for him. So again, if I, if he comes in and I give him a food puzzle, then it's like, okay, we're in food puzzle mode, you know, and then after that, he's forgotten about the leash walks and stuff and we've moved on kind of thing. Okay. So I say, try it. Um, the other thing is a good question to kind of ask is, should you be on a routine? And like dogs learn the routine, they learn a window when their, their walks are. And just like they don't bother you for walks all day, why are we assuming that our cats will? So I also, one of the things that, um, is good having a dog background is it allows you to kind of say, why don't we say the same thing for dogs? You know, why do we always come up with these stories for cats, but not for dogs? And so whenever there's, you know, a story like that, I try to say, well, okay, that doesn't exist in the dog world. Why, why is it existing in the cat world that, you know, we can walk dogs twice a day and they're not constantly harassing us to go outside. But when it comes to cats, it is that way. And is it that way because they don't get enough enrichment inside? You know, all these things we can look at. So it's not always that simple, but is it going to be a problem? First, we don't know. And if it is, then then we kind of go to, okay, well, now it's a problem. How do we solve it? And I would say the first thing we do is when they come inside is try to change the chapter so that they're kind of like, okay, that one, that chapter is done and this is a new chapter. And now we're getting our meal. We're getting a food puzzle. We're playing and we've moved on. Excellent advice. Excellent advice. So I, I have a cat that every time I open the garage door, he wants to run out. Right. Um, but once he gets out there, he's like immediately like, oh, no, I didn't really mean to come out. And then he <laughs> runs right back in. Um, so maybe if he had a little more walking opportunities, he would feel differently about that. Yeah, it's hard to say why, like, what he's scared of, um, why he's running back in. Like, is it a fear thing? So that, that would be my first thing is I try to understand, you know, how is it that he's fearful? And then if it is because of that, how could we introduce him to the environment slowly so he's kind of 
you know, gets used to it in a way that he doesn't have to panic. Right. So that does happen with cats. That happens a lot um, where they kind of like do something and they panic and they're like, oh, I didn't mean that. (laughs) So I think we want them kind of not in that panic mode, but more in the um, being in kind of control of their impulses, (laughs) which training obviously helps with that, too, because you could do, for example, what I would probably say in that situation is to try to train your cat to go in and out of the house in a much calmer way. So we go out, we get a treat, we go back in, we get a treat, we go out, you know, and you you kind of expand the zone a little bit from there. So it's not really an emotional response, but he's actually thinking about it. Yeah, actually, I do want to go outside. Okay, yeah, I can go back inside. I know how to get back inside. So this isn't a big deal. Yeah, very good advice. Very good advice. Well, my cats are lucky, I think. They have a catio, so they can spend a lot Beautiful. of time outside just, you know, observing nature and, um, you know, checking out what's going on in the outside. But they, they've never had, like, the opportunity that you're talking about of being put on a leash and, and taught to actually walk around outside. I mean, if you have a catio, like, for people who have catios, that's that's pretty amazing. And maybe you don't even really, you know, need to do it. It really depends on everyone's cat. I think the idea is that we, A, have to recognize that many indoor cats are not getting enough enrichment, and then how can we kind of meet those needs? And it doesn't necessarily mean everyone has to kind of do it all, but I think I like to kind of think about it, too. It's like doing a little bit of each. So I like to do a little bit of play, a little bit of food puzzle, a little bit of training, a little bit of outside. I wouldn't want everything to be all about outside because outside is um, there's also like it's not that safe sometimes for people. You know, you, there are more things outside. and Oh, yeah, definitely. So, so I personally try to limit my cats outdoor because I know there are. It, it obviously depends on where people walk, but you know, if you're walking in a neighborhood where there's dogs and possibly someone might have their dog off leash, like in a laneway, that's kind of something that would, has happened to us a few times where someone just lets their dog out, uh, you know, into the laneway. Just all they're doing is trying to get them in the car and then the dog, the dog sees your cat and, you know, scary things like that can happen. So I try yeah, to like, it could be very dangerous for both of them. Exactly. So um, I like to do a little bit of everything, um, but everyone's different. You know, like some people will take their cats adventuring out on, and camping. Oh, right. And stuff, yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So everyone's I think everyone's different. And I don't like to tell people, you know, do this, do that. But I think the big overarching goal is can we make can we find a way to give our cats more enrichment? If you have a catio and they love it out there, that's amazing. You know, that's I, I wish we could have a cat. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm lucky that way. So um, and I think my cats are lucky, too. Plus, they have their own loft in the house that they can fly up the stairs and hang out up there and observe everything that's going on. But I do have a question because I didn't really realize this until recently. So I have historically fed my cats nothing but dry food. Mm-hmm. And and now my cat. Forest has a um, an illness and he needs to gain some weight. So the solution was to put him on a wet cat food, a high calorie wet cat food. Well, he 
has never eaten wet cat food in his life. And when I introduced it to him, he basically turned his nose up at it and said, I have no idea what that is and I am not going to eat it. Mm-hmm. So um, could you use clicker training to um, help condition your cat to um, transitioning to that wet food diet? You could, in a way, this is very similar to like when someone says, eat your veggies and then you get dessert. Right. <laughs> so that principle does work with cats. Um, but I don't know if that would be my first approach. Because, again, I think the first approach in your situation would just be to pick up the food so that it's not out and available all the time. But you might try that. Like you could like lick the spoon and then you get um some some of the kibble that you love like it's worth a shot right (laughs) you could also definitely try try different things um you know like i think when it comes to food are we doing a slow enough introductory process are we trying to introduce the food that's they're already familiar with like the same protein so it's actually not always that simple uh one thing that I do discourage people is going and keep looking for food and trying different things. Oh, my cat doesn't like this. Oh, right. This. I'll tell you, I'm like, that's not the right approach. Yeah, you could go broke doing that, right? <laughs> and it gets very frustrating. And so, uh, but it's good that you're on this journey of switching out of dry food because I, I definitely think that that is, that affects cats' trainability as well, How, only feeding them dry food. Um, it will affect their food motivation. And the dry food is really good for training. So what I like to get people started on is wet food meals, scheduled wet food meals, and then handful of their cat's dry food for training or, pu- or puzzles. I, I, I love the idea. I'm, I'm definitely going to try it, and then <laughs> I'll have to report back to you and uh, to the listeners as to whether I'm successful. Well, I do note that on your website at catschool.co, um, lots and lots of great articles about how to train your cat and all kinds of questions that you might have, and and plus some really cute cat pictures. <laughs> yeah. We also have, like, a really good Instagram account where I try to show people doing – that's, like, where I try to feature students. So um, so we're, we're definitely, like, showing that other cats can learn. It's not just, you know, me and my cat. <laughs> right. <laughs> You know, thousands of cats can do this. And um, we also have an online program if, if people want more structure that has a roadmap. So and they can ask questions and get support. Excellent. If, yeah, with grades, so grades one to five. <laughs> so I just noticed one of your articles, and I'm sure people want to know the answer to this question, is can you train your cat to talk with talking buttons? Oh, <laughs> yes, that has exploded in popularity has in the last uh, few years. And I know it's exciting because people want to do more with their cats. Um, can every cat learn to press a button? Yes. Can every cat learn to press a button knowing that it's like a treat or going for a walk? Yes. When it starts to become, you know, 10 buttons, and they're all close together and uh, they have to just, you know, kind of figure out which buttons, which, um, I, I don't know the answer. I think that the science isn't there yet to say that they have, I think a lot of people 
who are playing this game with their cat are assuming that they're saying things. <laughs> and while it can be cute, um, yeah, I think it's you want to be careful what you're going to say. Your cat knows, you know, my cat is saying that they are upset. That's that's dangerous, in my opinion, because look at their tail, look at their body language. Those are their signals. They already have all the signals to tell us how they're feeling. They don't need to press a button to tell us that they're upset about something. You know, I can look at my cat's tail. I can look at his body language. Is he not eating? All those other things um, are going to tell me. And those, to me, are better signals than relying on a button when we don't even know, you know, if the cat truly understands it. Yeah. So I think for, like, (laughs) again, going back to, like, dog stuff, a long time ago, we taught dogs to press a bell when they wanted to go outside to make, you know, to, to use the bathroom <laughs> or to relieve themselves. Is it really that different? They could, the dog would go and pre- press a bell, hit the bell or press a button that they want to go outside. That's nothing new. So, you know, at some point, these things get repackaged and it makes it exciting again. But I think it's not really that new. We've always been able to kind of like do that when they put it all together and side by side, that's new, but the science isn't really there. Like if we actually want to teach animals, why aren't the buttons near the site where we want them to be telling us something? So like, for example, with the bell, it would go by the door. So with the buttons they are just kind of laid right next to each other, which is obviously going to make it harder. Um, so I don't know. I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. On one hand, I really like that people are trying to communicate with their pets and stuff, but it is a bit of the wild west with these buttons. And if it's at the risk of the animal getting frustrated, then I don't like it. So I feel like pretty much know what my pets are thinking at any moment in time anyway. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I've always felt that, um, there's very few things that, um, I don't know. And like the other thing is like with answering questions like that, there actually is a lo- some science on some really cool stuff that they've done with with other animals too, with clicker training. So when they actually want to ask, ask questions to animals, like do you prefer this? Um, the people at universities who study animal behavior <laughs> actually use clicker training. So for example, there was um, one study where they asked horses, "Do you want to wear a blanket?" or not would you prefer to wear a blanket or not and guess what they use clicker training to teach them (laughs) so like there's a lot of science of people who have already done so much stuff on this and it's been done well and i i don't know like coming up with um with the buttons when they aren't done properly and they're possibly causing frustration and stuff it's it's just not aligned with what we've kind of studied as animal behaviors and stuff. So I think that's the other part for me. Um, I wish more people would do clicker training because that's that's been studied. And we have like examples of that where if you want to do those advanced concepts, like asking your cat yes or no, no, guess what? There's a way to do it. (laughs) Of course, only the most advanced trainers do it. That's the irony, too. With buttons, everyone's like, oh, I can do this. But... (laughs) I wouldn't even. Day one, right? Yeah, day one, my cat's talking. But, like, have I taught my cat yes or no? 
do you want to wear a blanket on your back? <laughs> I have been because these are very con, con, you know, concepts that are difficult and challenging. And I've been doing training for 20 years and it's hard. You know, it's not something that you just pick up like that and say, oh, my cat's talking to me. Well, and you probably still learn something new every day. Well, I'm taking a course right now that's very like, yeah, that's all new for me. Stuff I hadn't really considered or thought about. It's a huge field. Animal behavior is a huge, huge field. We're always learning. And there's so much, so many little nuances to helping animals learn. Okay, so I'm sure people also want to know the answer to this question. Can you train a kitten? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Kittens are so trainable. So um, one of the things I recommend people start with is getting your like socialization is the most important thing because if your cat is fearful of things it makes training a lot harder so when you get a kitten start the socialization socialization process off right away introducing them to new experiences and stuff obviously in a slow way not that they're going to be that scared but that they can like notice it and get treats and all that stuff um, but getting them used to the car and the carrier and the vet and brushing and teeth brushing, those are like where you want to put your time in. All the things you say, I wish I would have done that with my kitten, <laughs> even with my cat. <laughs> like, I wish my cat was better at going in the car. I should have trained him when he was a kitten. I wish my cat would let me brush his teeth. Okay, I should have done that when he was a kitten. All those things that you could see yourself saying down the road would be a great thing to introduce to kittens. Yes, definitely. Including giving them pills, right? Yeah, giving them pills, all that stuff. Exactly. Making it easier to do all those things and take them places. If you are a person who plans on moving and, you know, traveling and stuff, which I think a lot of people are doing more and no one wants to leave their cat alone for weekends and stuff like that. It's, it's, you know, we are recognizing they're really interactive animals. They love their attention and, they need play and enrichment, and then we want to go away on the weekend. Okay, now what? So getting them used to that, too. And bringing them with you. Yeah, bringing them with you, getting them used to their backpack and stuff to make it easier for you to put them in the car and take them, you know, on a three-hour drive if you want to go somewhere, stay in an yeah, Airbnb, that, that kind of thing. Absolutely. All right. Well, to our listeners, I hope you enjoyed learning all of this information today about cat school and how smart our cats are. And Julie has been doing this, as she said, a long time, but to the point where now you're just working with cats, right? Absolutely, yeah. Just there's so much work to do with spreading the message of clicker training. It'll be a lifetime of work. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's excellent. I mean, when you find something you're passionate about and you can share it with people and um, and you, you find a receptive audience, that, that makes it all worth it. For sure. Well, thank you so much, Julie, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners. And if you would like to contact Julie or get more information, you can go to catschool.co. And don't forget to find us on social media at All My Children Wear Fur Coats. And don't forget my favorite motto, until there are none, please adopt one. And we'll see you next time. Happy tales. Thank you for joining us on All My Children Wear Fur Coats with your host, Peggy Hoyt. We hope you learned something valuable for the benefit of your pet. 
We want to keep loved pets in loving homes by educating pet parents about the importance of ensuring every pet has a forever home. Get more information about creating a legacy for your pet at AnimalCareTrustUSA.org or LegacyForYourPet.com. Buy a copy of All My Children Wear Fur Coats, How to Leave a Legacy for Your Pet on Amazon. Join our email list or make a donation. Pet professionals and advisors are invited to join our trusted advisor network. Until next time, happy tales.